are listening to a message by Pastor David Guzik for Enduring Word. For more information about our ministry, please visit EnduringWord.com. My name is Chuck Musselwhite. I am uh, one of the board members for Enduring Word. Um, David is actually in an airplane right now. And so he asked me to cover for him. And I always get excited every time we do this. And so I hope you stick around. I know I'm not David Guzik and I don't profess to be, nor um, will try to be. I'll just try to be the best I can. But I've learned a lot from him and I just consider him a dear friend. So I always love um, jumping in with him, jumping in for him whenever he asks. And uh, so anyways, um, glad you're here. And just if you have any questions, go ahead and put those in the uh, uh in the chat column right there. And Andrea, who is our moderator, will send those to me and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get going. So, um, all right. How about we pray right away and then we'll get going. Lord, we thank you for this time. Just ask that you bless it, Father Lord, as we are going to just discuss some wonderful things about your scripture um, about following you. I just pray for your blessing. I pray for your wisdom and your insight if to speak through me. And Lord, just let it be a wonderful time of enrichment and edification, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, like I said, my name is Chuck Musselwhite. I'm the pastor of the Village Chapel, also one of the board members for Enduring Word. And I'm excited to be here today. <coughs> if you are one of the TWR 360 members, we are glad you are here. Um, thank you for joining us. And uh, wherever you are throughout the uh, the world, I'm always blown away by um, all the people who uh, who join this and, and where they come from. So it's always wonderful to hear where you're from and and, and answer the questions that you have. So um, I do want to start off a couple things. First of all, um, last night I got a chance to go watch the brand new movie, The Jesus Revolution. And um, to say that I was blown away would be an understatement. I was I had high expectations going in, which always makes me concerned because Whenever I go anything really excited about things, I often get let down by um, what's happening. But this movie just absolutely blew me away. If you have a chance to see the Jesus Revolution movie, I know it's coming out um, in theaters in the United States uh, tomorrow. Um, and I just I really want to encourage you guys to go and see it. It's it's the story of Calvary Chapel. It's the story how the Jesus movement started through the hippies and they started coming um, to Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa with Pastor Chuck Smith. Um, it's told through the eyes of Greg Laurie, who is is one of my spiritual um, you, you know heroes. I, I I used to go to his Monday night um, Bible study at Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa when I was at college down at Vanguard University. It was right around the corner, and I was always blown away that there would be a couple thousand people on a Monday night at seven o'clock um, coming to hear a Bible study. And uh, you know there would always be some kind of um, popular Christian singer. And then he would get up and, you know, teach through parts of the Bible and give a uh, altar call and, and hundreds of people would come down. And I was always blown away by that. And, and so, um, you know, I just um, I, I, I really want to encourage you that the, the movie is just so touching. There were so many times that I was in tears and uh, just I mean, and just so many profound things. And so uh, I guarantee you, if you go, you will be blessed. And uh, I'm not getting paid for anything like this. Um, I'm just a Calvary Chapel pastor. I love Calvary Chapel. Um, I love its roots. I love Pastor Chuck Smith and and I love Greg Laurie. And 
this is this movie is done extremely extremely well um it's it's from the makers of the movie um i can only imagine so it's just top notch um i really just want to encourage you guys to go and to check that that movie out also too um there's a new feature on the enduring word website um it's called the post and they are helpful letters um, or helpful articles from a lot of seasoned pastors. I get I I will write a couple a month. Um, other other board members will, but also other pastors that that we know and respect who've been in the ministry for a long time and and really have the gift of writing. Um, and so two articles a week will be posted on that. You can subscribe to the email that I'll send those to you. Um, but if you go to the EW uh, website, Enduring Word website, and you look over on the right-hand side and you see the post, I want to encourage, I want to encourage you to check those out. Um, we just uploaded an article about uh, David, uh, from David about the Asbury re- revival. Um, it's it's a, just a transcript of the video that he put out on Saturday. Um, if you haven't watched that video on Asbury, um, the Asbury Revival, um, from what he did the live broadcast last Saturday, I really want to encourage you. It's only about 18 minutes long. Very good, very profound. Um, last time I checked, there's been like 36,000 views of that video since thir- um, since Saturday. But the links are down below um, in the comment section or in the in the in the information section. So go ahead and click on that, and go and click on the articles as well, because you will be um, edified by, by some really good. Really, really good articles. Okay. All right. Well, we are starting off this morning with the lead question. Um, how do I know um, if it's the Holy Spirit leading me? And, um, you know, I, especially after watching the Jesus Revolution movie, you know, Carrie Chapel <clears throat> had a lot of Pentecostal things happening in the early days. And there's still a lot of Pentecostal things happening in Calvary Chapels all over the world. Um, but it, it's really easy to, um, to misgauge what the Holy Spirit's doing. It's easy to get it caught up in the emotionalism um, and, and think that, that your feelings are, um, are, are, are what the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. And, and so as a, as a Christian who's growing and maturing in their faith, how do we know if it's the Holy Spirit that's leading us? And, and so I, I just want to kind of go over a couple things. Let me read some scripture to you. Um, Romans chapter uh, 8 um, says this, um, verse 13 says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and will live. Now here's a key point for all who are led by the spirit are sons of God. So what does it mean? What does it take for us to be, um, led by the spirit? Um, Paul likes to use the the phrase walking in the spirit. He does that in Galatians chapter five, um, verse 14. And he talks about how we need that daily dependence and interaction with the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want you guys to understand is, is that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's just as much God as God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. So that shows that that, that he plays a prominent role. So he's someone we can literally pray to. And, and I often tell people too, if, you, and if you're, you're feeling that spiritual dryness, you know, pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Romans chapter 5 um, says that the Holy Spirit fills us with the love of Jesus Christ. You're not feeling too loving. You don't have that agape love that the Bible talks about. Um, ask the Holy Spirit. You, I mean, you, obviously you can ask Jesus and God for the same thing. It's gonna, it's, they're, all, they're all one, so you want to do that. But, but the thing is, is that we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be filled with that love to truly understand where the Holy Spirit is leading. Now, there are going to be times 
unique times, and I know this has happened to me multiple times over my life, where the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And how do you know that the Holy Spirit is leading you? And it's not just a feeling, (coughs) excuse me, um, brutal winds where I'm living right now. And so my allergies are going crazy. Um, So the Holy, how do we know the Holy Spirit is not a feeling or, you know, or we're not sure because we haven't heard a voice. And, and I want to encourage you guys something is that, is that this, um, if we are in God's word, if, if we are in a, in times of prayer, the, the awareness, the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is going to increase. It is going to, to be more apparent as opposed to um, the, 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 if we're not okay, because why? Because we're tapped in to that living water where we're, we know what's happening. But when the Holy Spirit leads, there's I, I found there's several things that happen. One, I, I feel an impression upon my heart. Now, when I say feel, I'm not talking about like goosebumps. I'm just feeling like God is is kind of speaking to me and showing me things through. I'm, I'm reading the scripture and other things like this is the direction that he wants me to go. Now, the cool thing is, is that oftentimes he will confirm that. In other ways, either through speaking through other people or for him bringing me into circumstances like, hey, this is what I want. Uh, I want to happen. And so um, as you are walking with Christ now. You are going to the, the spirit's going to move upon you, you know, let's take a very simple thing. Say you're coming out of the grocery store and, and you see someone who's struggling and you happen to have five dollars in your in your wallet. And God says, you know, give that five bucks to him. You know, it can be as simple as that. And and oftentimes God's using those to see if we're going to be obedient. And and he wants to see us be obedient in the small things, and then we'll be more then we'll be ready for the bigger things. And so now I use that, and that's not the only example, that's the one that, that people understand. But but the thing, there's other things too. There's often times where where I'm, you know, I'm I'm preaching, and oftentimes I work in the in the gift of the word of wisdom and word of knowledge, and and I won't even have this in my notes. And all of a sudden, God will just start speaking to me, um, and 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 I'll just kind of like he'll he'll just he'll just kind of put things in my heart for me to share, and and, and I'll go ahead and and share that. That's the that's the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, other times, it's I'll see people like I need to go pray. God's like, go pray for that person, and I'll pray and I'll start praying for things, and God will start putting things in my mind, and, and all of a sudden, I'm praying things over people, and the people are like, how did you know that? That's exactly where I'm at, you know. And a lot of times, I don't even know these people very well. It's just being open. It's being available and, and, and being ready to be used by God. And, and, and the thing is, is that it's, it's, there'll be times that'll feel like lightning bolts, you know, like, okay, God wants you to do this. But then there's other times there's subtle times. Like I need to, um, I, I need to, God wants you to do this. Like just last, last Saturday, I was, you know, as, as David was talking to the board, he's like, Hey, I was getting, I, I needed to hop on a plane to go to on a trip, but God just kind of spoke to me as I was getting ready. Like, Hey, you need to do a live broadcast. And, and he literally did the live broadcast and you can see it on there. And he's like, I got to go because I got to be on a plane right now. <laughs> but God knew he needed to do that. And God spoke to him. And he went and he was faithful. That's what we need. And so the thing is, what I want you guys to understand is we need to be walking with the spirit so that we can be in tune with the spirit. So we can be sensitive that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we're ready. But then there comes the last thing. There has to be a step of faith. There has to be a step of faith. 
Okay, there's no way that it's going to work unless we're willing to be used by God in areas that takes us out of our comfort zones. Rarely does the spirit lead in areas that I'm like, oh, I'm 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 super comfortable in this area. You know why? Because oftentimes I run out in front of God and God's like he'll often put me in areas where I have to completely trust and rely upon him. And so so that's that's what I want to encourage you guys with this morning. All right. We. Can't we have our first question? Well, that's that's not from from me, and the question is from Eben. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm really good at slaughtering names, so if I get it wrong, um, you can let me know in the comments or just forgive me right now. Um, so, anyways, it says this: I recently came to know about Church of England's leader's decision to explode to explore gender neutral pronouns for God rather than He after Putin slammed it. How do we view this church's position? Well. Um, the, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll just put it to you real simply this way. Um, uh, the church that we're part of, I mean, we are almost polar opposite from the church of England or the Anglican church here in, in America. Um, there, there's very, very few similarities and, and trust me, I have a, I have a good friend. I have a, a longtime friend who is an Anglican pastor. I love him. Every time we see each other, we hug each other. Um, but his view on things are totally different. And you know what? We we're you know, we don't let that get between us. Okay. Um, but but this is what I can say. Um, God is is um, has always referred to as male in, in the scripture. And, and so for, you know, to acquiesce to culture, um, to acquiesce to the current things of trying to make things gender neutral and and elevate, you know, um, and, and, you know, and kind of go on that whole patriarchy thing of like, you know, it's just a male dominated society and they're oppressing people. You know, I have a hard time with that. Um, and, and, and this is the reason why, because the fact is, is that, um, I believe that God's word is in, is, in, is inspired. It's, it's an inerrant, it's infallible. And so God spoke through men and we have God's word and that's how he refers to himself. And so I, I don't stand with the, um, the church of England on this and, um, uh, you know, and God is a, he, and, and Jesus was a male um, and so that's, that's how the scripture tells us to refer to him. And that's exactly so the, the church of England and, and a lot of mainline churches are, are, are going extremely and, and to use the, 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 the common jargon, um, extremely to the left and progressive, um, to the point where, uh, it, it's, it's no longer even, um, the same religion. So, um, I hope that answers your question. All right. Okay. Betty Gordon. Through TR or through TWR three sixty, do general curse uh, generational curses still exist? <laughs> um, the short answer is no, no, um, and, and this is why uh, because with Jesus Christ coming, this is what I this is what I believe um, with Jesus Christ coming. I believe all of us um, have a personal decision um, to make uh, to G- to Jesus Christ. Okay, so. Um, are the sins of the father visited upon the ch- his children and his grandchildren? Yes, in the sense of the fact is that there's consequences, there's ramifications for sin. <clears throat> so you know if a if the parent um, declares bankruptcy, 
um, that can, you know, because of, of, of poor financial uh, decisions and, and cars get repossessed and houses get foreclosed. And sure, that's going to have ramifications on the next generation and even possibly the next generation because there may be an, uh, an overburden of the financial resources uh, on the next successive generations. That's just an example. Um, but that doesn't mean the curse is continued to the son or daughter. Okay, that just means that there's consequences. All right. Um, So, no, the curses don't go. That was an Old Testament thing um, that was put in there as a deterrent to keep people away from uh, um, from doing certain things. And so, no, they don't. But, hey, I've asked that been asked that question a lot. So great question. Um, Andrea has a question. I have a question about the book of Jude. From what I've read, he seems to quote from some sources, especially the book of Enoch which apparently was written long after Enoch's time and considered pseudo-pygraphal. Okay, as a Christian, I find this mildly troubling because I don't know why Jude would quote from a source um, that claimed to be Enoch. Okay, Andrea, I'm, um, well, first of all, um, congratulations on using a word that I've never seen and never pronounced, pseudo-pygraphal. I'm going to, I, I could be wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of insinuation. Of, um, and I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not going to defer on this, but I, I, I am not an expert on, on Jude, uh, you know, quoting from the book of Enoch. In fact, I'm vaguely familiar with it. And so, um, but I go back to simply this, I believe that, that God's word is, inerrant and infallible. I believe that God spoke to Jude um, and gave him the words for the book of Jude. And so I have a hard time believing that he quoted the book of Enoch. Um, and, and I'm just going to tell you right now, I am not a, an expert on the book of Enoch. I have not done much study on it. So I apologize if it seems like I'm sidestepping, but I, I'm going to go back to the infallibility and errancy of scripture. Um, but also to, um, there's a lot of trouble with the book of Enoch and I don't, um, I, I, I would have to do some research on, on how that lines up. I'm pretty sure David knows a lot more about, um, about that than I do. So, um, from Travis, how do we delineate between working to care for our family, perhaps 50 to 60 hours a week and being considered someone who gets choked out by the thorns or the worries of life? I worry about my family's well-being in the future, so I like many pe- I like many people work hard to put in overtime for bills, savings, kids' future, college. Okay, Travis. Um, first of all, hey, kudos to wanting to take care of your family. Uh, I don't know how old you are, um, but I can tell you right now, the coming generations that is not a concern. In fact, the coming generations, their whole desire is to be taken care of by the government and they would like a working wage given to them with them without them having to go to work. Okay. Um, don't agree with me. Um, studies in Europe and studies in America fully support that. Um, we often call it socialism, but, um, but you'll hear things like universal income. So the fact is, is that, that you're willing to work 50, 60 hours a week to provide for your family shows one that you're being obedient to God because God created us to work. And before the fall of man, um, before the first sin, work was a joy. It, it wasn't a problem. But now since the first sin, as we read with Adam, you know, the curse upon Adam is the fact is, is that the toil was going to be hard upon our back. 
Um, and I think all of us can relate to that in, in some way, shape or form. And, and so, so here's the thing. Um, you being concerned to take care of your family is, 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 is honorable. Now, where does it go wrong? Well, first of all, it goes wrong when you're consumed with like your job. Okay. Um, are you, are you really working 50 to 60 hours, um, uh, to, to provide, or is it, is, are you finding your significance and your, your self-worth from your job? Okay. That's a question you need to ask yourself. Um, the second question is, is this, is that how are you at trusting the Holy spirit? And what I mean by that is, is, can you trust the Lord? Can you just uh, uh, allow the Lord to provide for everything that you need? And, and, and what I mean by that is, is are you financially giving to your church, okay, in a way that 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 is biblical and, and, and truly trusting the Lord? Are you, you know, as, as the tradition I grew up, are you willing to trust God to provide more through the 90% that you live on um, than, 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 than not giving in the 100% trying to trust in yourself? Um, what I found is, is that, that, um, that when I trust in the Lord, God provides way more than I, I want. And so, um, if you're getting consumed, which means you're laying awake at night, worrying about how you're going to pay your bills. Um, you're, um, you're, you're consumed with, I got to get the, my, my college education, um, funds saved up for my kids. That, that's where it becomes unhealthy. That's where it becomes um, the worries of the world. And so that's, that's where you need to find it. And, and, and you need to find the line right there and just say, okay, you do your best. You work your work and, and, and you bring enough income to support your family. And then you trust the Lord with the, the rest. But hey, great question. Monica, shalom, pastor. Shalom to you. Can I ask you on a verse? Genesis 4, 14. Cain mentioned that he was afraid um, that someone finds um, that anyone finds him will kill him after God drives him away from it. My question here is: Besides Adam and Eve and Abel, who else is there whom Cain is afraid to kill him? Okay, all right. Let me let me let me go to this real quickly because I, I um, let me type it up here on my um, Bible program. So verse 14 says, behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. Okay. So remember, God says that no one could kill him because there would be a, a worse judgment upon on the person who killed um, Cain than, than the one who, who then Cain himself. Um, but what you have to realize is that after Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve didn't stop having kids. They had a whole lot more kids. Um, and by the time that Cain is at there's this age, there, there's multiple, multiple, multiple people. Now we don't know how many, um, and I'm pretty sure there's experts who have it all figured out. But even in the scripture later on tells us that there's more. And, and so um, to get back to your question is uh, um, who else is there? Well, we know there there are another brother, and I, of course, I don't have it here in front of me, but I believe. Um, uh, um, was it Seth who was the next brother? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so bad at, at, when it comes to names and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, so he, there was multiple brothers and sisters and, 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 and there was children from those children, and all that kind of stuff. And so, so yeah, that's what, that's, what's going on with that. 
So um, there was a lot more people by the time Cain was of that age. And of course, as he lived and he kind of continued on, there was more and more too. So, all right, next question, LF Ridge. How should we think of Israel in terms of end time prophecy? Is that supposed to be the nation of Israel, the descendants of Jacob, Christians, or some combination thereof? Okay, um, let's, <laughs> this is a multifaceted question. Um, okay, first of all, we need to understand that Jerusalem is the epicenter of, of everything in times. And what do I mean by that? Well, because the, the world is going to come against um, Israel, um, there, there's going to be this great attack against Israel, and God's going to spare them in a miraculous way that you can't explain away anyway except God. Um, in the tribulation, the two witnesses are going to be in the city of Jerusalem. Um, and, and, and so there's, um, and, and, and the Jerusalem is where the abomination of, of desolation is going to happen. Okay. So when you're asking, um, LF Ridge, I don't, I mean, um, how, you know, is Israel the supposed nation? Yes, it is. Now, um, in the end times, who who's going to be part of the new Jerusalem? Okay, so at the end of the tribulation, um, there's going to be a thousand-year reign, and then this earth is going to cease to exist, um, and then a whole new Jerusalem will come down. Okay, who will be in that new Jerusalem, which we what we what we know as heaven? It's going to be a combination um, of both of both Gentiles and Jews. Okay, um, it's it's going to be everyone. We will you know um, the hundred forty four thousand in in uh, Revelation are Messianic Jews. So we have that that proof right there that they are um, going to be a part of it. So um, it is that's supposed to be the nation. The, the nation of Israel plays a predominant role um, in end times prophecy, and but the church, which will be I believe, will be raptured before. The um, the tribulation um, will, will and be up in heaven with with Jesus Christ. It will be filled of many people, and then during the tribulation, there'll be one hundred forty four, at least one hundred forty four thousand Jews that come to know Jesus Christ, and the, and it says they're going to be radical evangelists, and and that's going to be awesome. So um, twelve thousand from each of the twelve tribes. So I hope that uh, answers your question. All right, Carrie asks, what are your thoughts on the Asbury revival? You know, Carrie, thank you so much for asking. David covered this last week in his Q&A, and then he did that special one, which the link is down below. Um, And and I want to encourage you, um, and and since this is his Q&A, I'm obviously going to defer to him. But can I couple two things? Um, First of all, I want to couple the the Asbury Revival. Okay, so they they just as either Tuesday night or last night stopped the revival at the college. Um, and not okay. Let me clarify that they didn't stop the revival there. They they moved everybody who's not a college student or a high school student away from the college outside the city to a whole new place. Now I don't have all the uh, the details there, um, but but basically. Um, they were the city was getting inundated. They had, you know, the city's only six thousand people, and they had twenty thousand people showing up a day, and they had to put real road signs stop coming. And and there's a really cool picture floating around on the internet of a student from Asbury who's an artist who who did you know those little pins with uh with the yarn, and it showed where from everybody came from. It was just amazing all over the world that people are coming from. So so here's the thing. Everybody's given their opinion on this. 
But what I believe, and when it comes to these revivals, I believe they happen partly so that we can check our heart with God. And, and what I mean by that is simply this. Instead of listening to the experts of other people, I think it should draw us closer to God and we should be asking God, is this real? And 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 not stay at, is this is real, but continue on like, Lord, this is what I want in my life. This is what I want in my family. This is what I want in my church and in my community. I want to see that spread to my, my community, to my church. Okay. Now we can sit there and nitpick and man, with, with the, the internet age nowadays, oh my gosh, people are going crazy over this. Um, but the thing is, I want you guys to understand is I, you know, I want revival and I'm very slow to criticize um, because I don't want to be on the wrong side of what the Holy Spirit's doing. And I know um, just from my background that the Holy Spirit working is messy. And I was reminded this, and this is what I want to couple, is the Jesus Revolution movie last night. Just watching that and seeing how Lonnie Frisbee came in and all the hippies came in. And, and there's people that left the church because they were getting the carpet dirty and, and they, you know, they didn't like the music and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and what you have to realize is, is that revival is not, is, is, is a messy thing. Because you have broken individuals coming in, seeking the face of God. And anytime people seek the face of God, that's a good thing. Now, are there going to be excess? Yes. And you can't prevent it. Um, I've seen people use the weed and the tear thing. I have a problem with that. Um, uh, you know, and I think there's, trying to, there's too many people trying to be discerning, um, you know, ministries on this. Um, but what I want you guys to under understand is simply this, is that we, when we see this happening, we need to ask in our heart, okay, Lord, what, what, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go with this? And, and how do you want this to infect, uh, uh, affect me and, and infect me as well too. So, um, I hope that uh, that helps you out. Um, send another question back in if you want more clarification. Um, but I've been purposely staying a little bit back from, from like dissecting it. Yo log. Ooh, I like that. Yo log. Um, is it biblical to give veneration to Virgin Mary, angels, and saints? Is there any scripture that forbids this practice? Okay, um, I'm going to have to give me a second here because I want to know what you mean by, um, I just, I got to look up the meaning of veneration. Sorry, because I'm, um, I have an idea, but I just want to be, um, I want to be absolutely, um, oh, so great respect. Okay. Let's that, at least that's what the dictionary says. Okay. So we'll just, we'll take it. Um, is it biblical to give veneration? Great respect to Mary. Yes. Um, if you mean more than, um, if you mean more than just respect and honor, um, like as in worship, um, no, we are not supposed to worship um, the Virgin Mary. We're not supposed to worship angels and, and we're definitely not supposed to worship saints. Okay. And, and so, um, but, but man, I, you know, I, I, 
as I study scripture more, I, I'm blown away about how God used Mary. And of course, every time I come out of Christmas, I'm even more so. Um, and just like, you know, just here's this teenage girl who was visited by an angel and, um, and he's, she's, and he told her that she's going to have the Messiah and, and she's going to give birth and she wasn't married. And so there had all that scandal. And so, I mean, I have two teenage daughters right now. I mean, they, there's no way they could handle that drama. And, and yet she handled it so admirably and has such a wonderful spirit. So it's like, wow. So yes, she is supposed to be respected, but not worshiped. Same thing with the angels and the saints. And I have a lot of Catholic friends and family and they have their favorite saint and they have their necklace medallion and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and praying to the saints, they don't hear you. They don't. Okay. I'm just going to be honest with you. They, um, uh, (laughs) if those saints, and I'm not saying, I'm just going to tell you, not all the saints that the Catholic Church has have have you know sanctified or whatever they call it um, uh, are in heaven. Okay, um, they just had some kind of miracle done to them, and so. But for a lot of the major saints, if they're in heaven, if they're in the presence of Jesus Christ, they are focused on His presence. They are not looking down to earth. Heaven is an exponentially infinitesimally better place than earth. And so that's where their eyes are focused. I always laugh at, at funerals and people are like, they're looking down on us. Well, first of all, they're probably not in heaven. Oftentimes when people are saying that, but second of all, no, they're not. My, my mother and, and I have lots of family members. I just lost a grandfather um, uh, two weeks ago. Um, and, you know, they're all up in heaven. They are not looking down on me. They have not turned into angels. They're just they're up there. They're up there in the presence of God. And that's all consuming. And I'm looking forward to being there. So thanks for the question there. Hope that answers. Um, is there any scripture that forbids that practice? Well, yeah, you know, Jesus says there'll be no other gods before me. If you're worshiping, they're a God. So Jesus said, don't worship them. Tunnel Bannon 23 from Stockholm. Oh, the land of my people. I'm Swedish too. Um, why did God demand circumcision in the old Testament when he created the foreskin and circumcision can harm boys. Huh? Well, I'm not in agreement that circumcision can harm boys. Okay. Um, in fact, I'm actually of the opinion that it's better for boys to get circumcised than not get circumcised. So I disagree with you on that. I hope you're okay with that. We're still Swedes together. Okay. Um, but Ah, why did God demand circumcision? Okay, well, there was a piece of excess skin there. And, and to cut the, 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 the foreskin off is, is, a, is a symbol of separating the flesh from the heart or from the spirit. And so God had Abraham do that so that it was a, it was a sign that they were set apart or they were sanctified into the Lord. And they were separating from the flesh. They were going to trust and rely upon God. Okay. Now, obviously, Jews got to the point where they were worshiping circumcision, even to the point of the New Testament church, where where Paul had to go against Peter and basically said, "Stop putting this burden upon the Gentiles that we couldn't even uh, 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 um, fulfill ourselves." And so, um, so that's the thing about uh, circumcision, and it's it, it was a, it was an Old Testament symbol. Now, we don't need that in the New Testament. So whether you choose to be circumcised or not is not a spiritual issue because why? When we see when we receive Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit fills us, that flesh of the heart is cut off. And so we don't have to 
we don't have to do that anymore. So hope that answers your question. Tunnel bomb, uh, tunnel Bannon 23. Okay. All right. From Thimba. What is the difference between faith, believe, and hope? Okay. Well, let me put it this way. Faith is that trust. Okay. Um, uh, um, Second Corinthians, we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay. Our desire in our human flesh is to be people who, um, they want to have everything planned out. They want to see it beforehand. Okay. Um, and, and so faith is a, it, it is, 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 is doing something not blindly. Okay. Because our heart is having trust on the Lord, but doing so with the full understanding that God is sovereign and in control. So that's faith. Believe. Okay. Believe you can put in the category of I'm reading God's word. Okay. And, and I read what it says about uh, what Jesus did for me, the gospel. And, and I read the theology throughout the new Testament and, 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 and I believe who Jesus is and, and I, and I, and I see the testimony of his life and, and I, I believe that he, Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord. I believe that, that he died on the cross and rose on the third day and is coming back again. Okay. Um, I, why do I believe that? Because I've been told that and, and I understand that. And, and there's testimony and archaeology and, and writings that, that back all that stuff up. So there's stuff literally I can see and believe. Okay. Now, hope. Hope, um, hope has a combination of both faith and belief. Okay, and this is the best thing. First Corinthians 13 says, um, you know, and these three things remain faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. Hope. What is hope? Hope is the yearning of the heart to be reunited with Jesus Christ and the assurance that it's going to happen. Hope is that that driving force inside of us that that everything is going to work out hope is is that that belief um and that faith that jesus christ is who he is, says he is and is going to do what he says he's going to do and you put your hope in that so i hope that i hope that answers your question thimba um okay romans or ej are you neglecting your family and duties to be a spiritual leader at home for the comforts of life? Okay, I'm trying to figure out, are you neglecting your family and duties um, to be a spiritual leader at home for the comforts of life? Okay, I'm not quite sure if you're asking this question directly towards me or <laughs> um, I'm not going to take it that way. Um I, I, I'm just a little confused by the question. Are you neglecting your family and duties? Um, you shouldn't, you shouldn't neglect your, your duties and the spiritual leadership of your home um, and, and, and side with the comforts of life. Okay. Um, I think that, I think you answer your own question there, I hope. Um, but, but anyways, I'm, I'm a little confused by that one. So um, next one, Troy. Why did Paul circumcise Timothy but defend Titus 
not being circumcised. All right, we're going down this path right now. Well, Paul talks about it in scripture. He says that he circumcised Timothy because he didn't, because Timothy was of a Jewish um, mother. And um, he just, he, he, he just didn't want to deal with the flack um, that, uh, that Timothy was going to get. And so he circumcised him. Titus was a Gentile. Okay, so um, that's exactly, um, obviously, being a Jew, there's a, there's a certain cultural thing, and I believe that's why Paul went and did it, and Titus was a Gentile, so there was no necessary. In fact, I think Paul is making a statement by having Titus not circumcised. So um, that's a real, simple, a real simple question right there. All right, from Gene, are things like the Daniel fast and Ezekiel bread taking Scripture out of context? <sighs> Um, okay. So Gene, um, I know the Daniel fast is, um, is a big thing. I know there's diets based around it. Um, I know, um, I know people, uh, Christians who claim their vegetarian, vegetarianism on that, um, uh, on that, that diet and that fast, um, the Ezekiel bread I always find is interesting because, you know, they take scripture and then they just took the, the, the ingredients and they made this bread. And Ezekiel bread is, is good bread. Um, are they taking it out of context? Well, the probably the answer is, is, is this. By and large, no. I think they, they just looked at, at, this, at this stuff and they, they tried to apply it um, in their own life. Um, and so I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Now, um, if, if that turns, and what I mean by that is if there's someone who's trying to grow spiritually by doing a Daniel fast, I don't think it's going to hurt them. Okay. Fasting is good. And if it's just water and vegetables, um, for a certain amount of time, then that's, then that, I mean, it worked for Daniel. Okay. Now Daniel was trying to prove something to his superiors. Um, but I think, you know, that's a good fast for people to do because it'll draw people. If it's you being used to draw you closer to God. Now, if you're doing it just to lose weight, um, probably the wrong motives. But even then, I think God is good at, at kind of looking, overlooking, you know, kind of our fleshliness in, in spiritual matters because he'll use that circumstances. You know, because I'm not sure if you've ever done 10 days with just water and vegetables, but um, but yeah, you're, 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 you're going to experience some changes there and you're going to be, uh, seeing Jesus in a whole new way. So the Ezekiel bread, I always chuckle at, cause I mean, they just took scripture and made some bread and they made some good bread. So, um, but like I said, you take it with a grain of salt. Okay. Like when I buy Ezekiel bread, I buy it because it's, it's biblical. I buy it because it's healthy. It's different and it tastes good. Okay. My kids, they don't like it. They don't like me putting their sandwiches together for lunch on it. <laughs> and, uh, and when that's the only thing left, they're like, uh, I just rather fast, you know, kind of thing. So, but my wife and I, we like it. So it's, it, it's, but, but you can, you can always take things too far, you know? And, and so that's why you have to go to the question um, where it says, you know, is things lawful? And if they're lawful, are they beneficial? And I think you can probably throw both of those into that category. Paul says, not all things that are lawful are beneficial. And so you have to really check your heart on that. But, but hey, great question. Okay, Julie Gregory, my unsaved friends assume late family members are in heaven. 
Is there a way I can tell them actually that they may not be the, that may not be the case? They know I'm a Christian, but they're not interested in hearing the gospel. I just I I just went through this, okay, um, with with my wife's grandfather passing away. Some a man I've know I knew for 29 years. I loved him dearly. He loved me. Um, man, one of the most loving people I knew. Um, and and my mother-in-law um, was kind of he he grew up in the church and and got saved when he was a kid. And then and then they went in the military and married a Catholic woman, never really darkened the door of a church. He came to my church several times, really enjoyed it, um, but never really darkened the door of the church. But as he was as in his last couple months, he was dying. My mother-in-law, uh, who is his daughter, oldest daughter, really ministered to him and was able to lead him to Christ. Um, and I believe that he's in heaven. Um, but the funny thing is, is that as you know, you're at the funeral, everybody's talking about, you know, he's up with his son, Gary, um, who's my wife's uncle. And um, this man had no relationship with Jesus Christ and no fruit bore in his life whatsoever and um, and died um, in a, a drunk driving accident kind of thing. Um, and everybody's like, oh, he's up there with him now. And, and I and, and you know what I do? I don't say a word. I just don't say a word. Um, now if you're going to say a word, um, then, then you, I would just take it from a biblical standpoint in a very loving way. And to say, you know, the, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And so if family members have not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and not only that, but have not lived for him and, and bore fruit of that relationship, I, I believe you just have to tell them like they're, they're not there now. That's a, that's a, that's a scary road. So, um, I just want to, uh, Julie, I want to encourage you to make sure that you just, um, you, uh, you go forward in grace on that. So, all right. Okay. From Greta, how can I grow in my prayer life? All right. Um, let me give you some practical, some practical tips on how to do this, Greta. Um, so for the last six years, and I just stopped recently, I wrote, I wrote a daily devotional called Daily Walk Devotion. Um, and it was five devotions a week. And, and, I, and I did a lot of writing on how to develop your devotional life. And so I'm, I'm, the same way with reading your Bible is the same way with prayer. Okay? And, and, and this is how I'm going to tell you how to do this. You need consistency is the key. Okay? Um, there's all these, you know, these gadgets, all these things that, you know, kind of thing, but really what you aim for is consistency and how you develop consistency is by having a dedicated time in a dedicated place where it can just be you and the Lord and you get away with him. Okay, so whether you need to put that on your calendar, whether that be when you get up in the morning, you have coffee, whether it be before you go to bed, whether if you're on your commute, you're riding, you know, you're you're riding a train or you're something like that. um, You find a time where it's just you and the Lord. Okay, and I would encourage you to have your Bible, to have an open uh, um, open journal and, and and just spend that time. Now, start small, start small. If you set aside an hour of prayer time and you didn't have any prayer time before then I can tell you, you're going to fill up maybe the first five minutes 
And then you're going to be depressed because you have another 55 minutes. So my thing to you is simply this, is that you spend that time just developing it. But find a dedicated time where you're most awake. So with me, I, I'm an extreme morning person. I'm often up by 4, 4.30 in the morning. I get my coffee. I wake up a little bit. I do a little bit of like, you know, kind of frivolous reading to kind of get my brain going. And then, boom, I hit it. And I, and I do my Bible reading. I do my journaling. And I do my prayer. And, and, it, and it's been that way for 30 years. But you have to start it. And then you have to fight to to maintain it because there'll be things they'll try to destroy it. So how do you develop in your prayer life? You start by developing consistent time and place. And then, and then when it comes to prayer, okay, I would keep a list, okay, of, of things and people that need to be prayed for. And, and, and you can get a journal. So, you know, we, we have journals like this. Okay. This is the church. I, I pastor the village chapel and it has lines inside of it. Okay. You can see that. Okay. And, and you know what it's interesting is that this journal is the same size as my Bible. Okay. This, this is just one of the Bibles. This is not, this is just, a, I don't want you to think this is the Bible I use to teach out of the ESV, but you know, it's the same size as that Bible. And you keep them both by yourself with a pen and you just, you write down the prayer request and then you have that list there and you pray through it. Okay. If you're just trying to remember off a memory, um, you might be able to get through 10 things, but then you start forgetting things. And so I would create a list and then I would just make it very simple and just start talking to the Lord. Just, you know, you don't have to be eloquent. You just have to be real and authentic and let God um, uh, just speak to you. So, um, I hope that helps you Greta. Um, but consistency, consistency, and you know what, some days are going to be great and anointed and other days you're going to feel like you're going through the motions. Don't beat yourself up, get up the next day and do it again. All right. Okay. Shelly, I'm going to say shell parks in Hebrew. Uh, oh, in Hebrews, I thought you were going to like use Hebrew words, sorry. When in chapter 3, God says this generation will not enter rest, does this not? Uh, does this mean not enter heaven? Okay, um, uh, let, me, let me go there. Um, give, me some, give me some time here. Hebrews 3. Uh, I, um, if, you have a, if you have a specific verse, if you're still online, um, just kind of throw it in the... In the, in the um, in the thing right there, but it says in chapter three, it says, God says this generation will not enter rest. Does this um, mean not enter heaven? Um, okay. So I'm not, uh, if I had a reference, I would go there. Cause I, uh, I can't, cause I don't know. I don't have, I don't have scripture memorized that well. So um, I'm trying to figure out what verse. So, you know what, if you're still on, you can put it down there or if somebody else knows the verse that they're referencing. Um, I just, I want to make sure. Okay. Um, so let me, let me go to, let me go to Robert. And then if I see in the comments, I'll, I'll go back to, to Shelly parts. Cause I don't, I don't want to answer wrong. Okay. So I, that's, if that makes sense. I just, I, off the top of my head, I'm not referencing that scripture right now. So, um, it says from Robert, I have friends who are in a new age practices. They talk about Jesus a lot and Christ's consciousness, but I don't think they understand who he actually is. How can I be a good witness. Okay. This is Robert. This is a great question. Um, because it's amazing how much new age rears its head, um, 
um, in, in so many different ways. And it seems like every few years, there's a whole new wave of it. And so when new age has become kind of like a clearinghouse for all of the, 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 the crazy religions out there. Um, but let me tell you this, um, new age is, is, is interesting because people are oftentimes are very opposed to Christianity. Um, and what they do is they often want to set themselves up as their own God. Okay. But it's interesting is that in certain ways, you'll see them try to become like Christianity, but be different. So they'll reference Jesus. Okay. And they'll, they'll reference Christ consciousness, kind of like how we reference being filled with the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes it has something to do with either social justice or, you know, feelings or, um, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and so you, so they will use that language to appeal and to seem similar, much like how Mormons do you know, and, and Jehovah Witnesses do, you know, they, they, Mormons has tried to become as close to Christianity as possible, um, without, without being Christians. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's just a farce. Okay. Um, you can't hear me. Did you lose? Did you lose my microphone? Are you not there? Am I not there? Andrea, can you hear me? Can you send me a text to see if you can hear me? Um, okay. So here's the thing. What I want you guys to understand is, is that oftentimes they will have the appearance um, of being like Christ because that makes them more appealing. And, and especially if they're trying to draw away weak Christians. So you, you need to have theological discussions with them. You, you need to ask the questions. And, 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 and here's a great book. Go get the book Tactics, okay? Um, it's a great book because it, it shows you how to, you know, oftentimes they'll try to put you on the defensive or they'll try to seem like you. And so you you put questions back on them um, so that they can, um, they can understand, uh, uh, so you can make them define exactly what they mean. And as oftentimes when you put that back upon them, they won't have anything behind it. It'll either be a straw man or it'll be, you know, very shallow, very thin soil. And so ask questions like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, what, what does Christ consciousness mean? Or, or when, when you're talking about Jesus, are you talking about the Jesus of the Bible? Um, because the Jesus I know in the Bible does this, and, but the Jesus, you seem to seem different. So don't be afraid to push the question um, back upon them. You don't have to be the answer man for everything. Make them define what they believe about Scripture. All right? Okay. Um, I'm going to go back because it looks like somebody said something about Hebrews 3. Um, I think Castro said that. So let me go to verse 711. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they will always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Okay. Uh, this is probably what, um, Shell Parks was meaning. Okay, so this is this is obviously quoting um, Old Testament, or you know, this is quoting stuff that happened in the wilderness, and it's talking about the first generation of people that came out of Israel. Now, remember, okay, they were not allowed to enter the rest. 
Now, the rest oftentimes was, was referred to as the promised land, okay? Um, and that's what I believe that's referring to right there. They, none of those people in that first generation, you remember like when the 10 or the 12 slaves came back and there were only two that said go in, the other 10 said no, and, and, and God got angry at them. And then the next morning they're like, oh, shoot, we made a mistake. And so they tried to enter into the promised land and it just didn't work. They tried to do it under their own accord. And all of those people, because God says all those people will die and they'll not enter into the promised land. So that's what it means right there. Hey, that was a great, great time. It always goes way too fast. And I want to thank Andrea, who is just my buddy. We've been friends for years and for being my moderator. She um, she knows how to like handle my craziness. And uh, she's just awesome. She's the the office manager, the general manager for Enduring Word and does an incredible job. So if you ever look at her worship, go out and search her. She's an amazing worship leader. We always get her up here. So anyways, thank you, Andrea, as always. And all the people with, uh, is it TWR? <laughs> TWR 360, thank you for joining in. Um, hey, go see the Jesus Revolution movie and, and check out David's uh, video on Asbury Revival. Um, the link is below. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day, and I'll see you next time I'm here. David will be back next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a message by Pastor David Guzik for Enduring Word. For more information about our ministry and how to grow in your relationship with Jesus, please visit EnduringWord.com.